Welcome to One Life Online, the podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from Isaiah chapter 54, titled, The Lord's Everlasting Love for His People, presented by Arthur Murunji. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will by His grace. This is an interesting topic that most of us have gone through. No PowerPoint, just the Word of God today. Um, So I hope you have your Bible. I'll do a bit of an introduction, and then we'll look at the Word, hopefully cover verse by verse of Isaiah 54. Father in heaven, as we come before you, we pray that um, you will heal hearts, you will be able to change minds and turn us around, that we'll fully come to understand to the point that we can how deep your love is, what it means for you to have everlasting love. And as we sang today, may that love be evident as we meet, as we step out this week. For your name's sake, in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, like I said, my name is Arthur Murungi. Murungi, uh, I know those who come from Kenya think I come from Meru. That's not true. I come from Fort Porto. So the Watoro don't have the G. We are emphatic in our Murungi. I was given that name for a reason. My parents could not give birth to me for a while. I enjoy walking, I'm in youth ministry, so my parents couldn't give birth to a child for a while. That in our culture, the Watoro, but I know some of you share it, was pretty difficult. She took on quite, my mother took on quite a bit of external and internal pressure. They wondered what kind of lady has come into the home. True? Is she going to flourish? I'm causing trouble for the media. Is she going to flourish? You may just have to carry that and bring it down. Is she going to flourish? Their description of flourish is, if the man has given protection, the man has provided, the man has... Why isn't their children, why aren't their children in the house? So when they got me, they named me Murungi. God is good. The Bible is not strange, a place where barrenness has not been dealt with. Right from Sarah, Rachel, Hannah, there was barrenness amongst the people. God calls Abraham and tells him, I'm going to make you a nation, and through your nation, others will be blessed. That's the lineage of Christ. 
but there was barrenness. Actually, Sarah laughed, mocked God's promise. True? Behind the tent. The word barren in the Bible is depicted for a people who, especially in Isaiah 54, who should not have been barren because their father, God, the husband, sovereign, protecting, better than I can do, true, as a husband. He has given everything so that his people flourish, blossom, are given to multiplying based on the promise he had given them. But these people with a father, God, their maker, and now their husband. Let, let, me, let me first stop there. The Bible is rich with imagery, very rich. Metaphors are quite many, but there is one that transcends all. Husband, wife, family. That imagery for us is more in the Bible, and that's why we fight to hold it sacred. It's the best way God could communicate to human beings what it means for him to be the husband. And I tell women, you have an immense role, just like men do, but women have an immense role representing us as the church, the bride of Christ. Israel is also called his wife, true? There is an immense responsibility because God wants to show he's the loving husband, compassionate, merciful. Recently, my wife, we went somewhere and we're discussing with very close friends and I said something. Later on, she said to me, I felt insecure when you said that and I sought her forgiveness. When I give cover, I tell my friends, no man has to tell a wife to submit if they love them. True? There is a cover. When God allows me in Christ to give that cover, my wife flourishes. True? The ladies that are here are not nodding. They should be nodding, yeah. Take notes, for, take notes for him. God is perfect. I'm not perfect. God is the perfect husband. By the way, to disappoint you, there's no marriage in heaven. I hope, Pastor, you've preached that. There's no marriage in heaven. The more reason to say, why does he allow for that on earth? There's no marriage in heaven. Lucy and I, my wife Lucy, will be worshipping as the bride of Christ, radiant, without blemish, no spot. So we have Israel, God bestowing on them so much. This is about 500 BC with Isaiah. God bestowing on them so much, and yet they are still barren. True? That's where this now picks up. 
Isaiah 54. Before we even go to Isaiah 54, just, just look at the barrenness, the word there. Yeah, let's look at it. Sing, O barren, thou sing. He's calling the barren to sing. Why? Break forth in singing, cry aloud, thou that dost not travail. The people of Israel with a loving husband had become, I know their children here, yeah, I hope you'll explain the words, I thought they'd all gone, had become halots. This imagery is very graphic. When you go to the other passages, God has called them given them himself, I will be your God. He has taken them to Egypt to be rescued from famine. He then brings them out with tremendous miracles. He gives them leaders that fail, but he's still their husband. They get into a place where they want a king, just like the neighbors. Can you imagine what that makes God feel like? We want just like his bride, his wife. And that's why in Ezekiel 23, 3 to 19, he says some crazy things. God is not happy with Israel. He says, my bride played the harlot even in Egypt where he took them to escape famine. He walked through Joseph. He was rescuing them. They still could not see him. Mm, that is me. That sounds like me. That sounds like me on a daily, complaining, gossiping, forgetting the cover I have. Now we are the church, and God has passages for the church. But this is a mirror of the same principles he keeps in his love. Jeremiah 2.20, God says in Jeremiah 2.20, for long ago I broke your yoke. Can you imagine? God says, I broke your yoke and tore off your bounds. But you said, I will not serve you. For on every high hill and under every green tree, some verses, by the way, say under bushes, you lifted your skirt as a harlot. You know, there is this issue going on in Uganda right now, DNA. Not so? DNA has become DNA. Someone could say, God is, but, but God, you, you gave it all. You gave it all. And Israel is playing the harlot. Why would you come back? I see men who have been with their wives for a while, and one error two errors, three, and they masquerade them in public. True? 
Is God going to act like that with Israel? Imagine you are in his shoes. Would he act like that? He gave a promise. I was thinking as I read through Genesis that he even walked through the sacrifices himself. So in the Near Eastern tradition, they, they had sacrifices that they cut in two half. And God walked through. Abraham was asleep. God said, it is my promise, my covenant. I will bring it to pass no matter what. Abraham, you're not involved in this. It is me. He walked through it. Israel saw all that, and they still played God. Listen to what Isaiah says. He tells a woman like that, Israel, and says, sing, sing, sing. God is saying, sing, sing. You know, I came in today, and as I listened to the lyrics, I thought of my week and the mess that I am in Christ. And God was still telling me this morning, sing, sing of my compassionate love. You who have not born, break forth into singing. Cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate. He's, he goes on to say, than the, than the children of the married. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Even if Israel has done all this, God says, prepare your tent. I'm told that in the Near Eastern, the, the Jewish culture, it's the women actually that prepared the tents. He's saying, your barren is going to change. Prepare the tent. Expand it. God is talking to an unfaithful person and says, get ready. Why do I deserve? You gave me protection. You gave me provision. You gave me eternal promises. I played the harlot, and now you say rejoice. Rejoice. I'm going to expand your tents. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains. Do not spare. Lengthen the cords. If there is no love, really. Imagine, I'm asking the men who are here now. Those who have paid dowry, yes, you paid. But even the men who did not pay, you have that wife and you are in the DNA situation. God forbid it doesn't happen here. Here we are serious people uh, working with the Lord. Instead of parading that woman before her culture, you instead lavish her even more. More than she has ever seen and will ever understand. You give her you and all of you. 
That's what God does. He says, Israel, you're mine. You're mine. He says, each one seated on your chair, you're his. If you have trusted in Christ, you're his. No matter how low the valleys, you're his. His promises still stand. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says, those that have believed in him, those who have trusted in him, that his son and believed the gospel, he has sealed them with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. Even when I'm the worst of persons, he still provides the cover. That is love. Mercy is this. He does not give me what I deserve. He withholds what I deserve. That's mercy. He withholds what I deserve. I deserve condemnation. But he has taken me in as his child. And the worst he does is Hebrews 11. He disciplines me. God graciously says to Israel, you will inherit the nations. Verse 3. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do you know why he's saying this? Because in Isaiah 53, wounds, stripes, sin dealt with by a servant. True? Isaiah 54 Praise the Lord does not defy mathematics. It comes after Isaiah 53. There is a reason why God is telling them, yes, you misbehaved. Yes, I spanked you, but I still love you. Because he told them when you misbehave, you bring famine, not so. He will send them out of the country. But he's still present. Look at what he says. Verse 4, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. That's still God talking to a people that deserted him. And then he mentions the verses that are my favorite in Isaiah 54. For your maker, his first our maker, your creator. You, we usually stop there. He says, for your creator is also your husband. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you talk about everlasting love. I, I don't even know how to love my wife this way. I can only do it in Christ, 1 John 4. I love because he first loved. There is no other picture that I can give to die for my wife. Listen, I'm driving through potholes sometime back. I'm driving through potholes. My wife always sits on the left. But sometime back, I realize that if there is a pothole and there is a free space, I usually, because 
subconsciously I'm selfish, I usually take the right tire through the smooth path. And then everyone goes through the bump. You know, it hit me the other day. And I said, man, am I dying to self? And let me tell you, it is difficult. So I decided, as I drive, I'm going to watch out. But the child talks and disrupts me, and guess what? I'm back to my old man. And Lucy still loves me. In the worst of arguments, this is what Lucy says to me. She says, Arthur, your father, your ultimate husband will sort you out. He's the one who spanks you. Mine is to love you. She'll serve me the same. But for me, <laughs> I shut down and enter a man cave for a week. How could she? You know, men and um, eh, you know our caves, eh? <laughs> you, you come home and you want everyone to worship you like you have done so much. When I enter, and, and some of these things, by the way, you know, God says, put off, renew, put on. Takes time. You smile with the neighbor as you enter. Yeah, oh, yeah, how are you doing? How was your day? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. As soon as you enter the house, What's wrong with you? Everyone is scattering. We have no understanding as natural beings of what a husband is. Zero. Of what a bride is. When we got married, I decided with the pastor, well, it was custom in that church, that we sneak in, we sneak in from the vestry and the men are already here, true? They're already here. Where is all the attention? Although today I see men walking down the aisle. <laughs> I see men. Marriage, even in that ceremony, needs to portray Christ and his bride. Even in that ceremony. Now I see guys also bouncing down. Attention to me, attention to me. No, we are portraying. That's why the woman walks down. The focus is on the bride. Christ's focus is on his church. He intercedes. Hebrews 7.25, he intercedes, he brings completion. We have no clue about love unless we are in him. God says, I fashioned you with that intelligence. I fashioned you with that intelligence. Don't make it an idol. I fashioned you with those physical looks. Don't place them above me. Israel, I gave you the tent you have, that house that is supposedly a mansion. I gave you that four-wheel drive. I gave you those denim jeans. I gave you that. But it has become your treasure, and that's where your heart is. True? I'm glad here that I visit churches now in Uganda and I speak a lot in different churches, but I'm glad here the pastor has not become 
above God. Now, the places you go to, and they would be forcing me to come from where I had seated to the front. I'm very glad. <laughs> when you arrive, they carry, you have the, the mark, iMac coming in, one person carrying. The next one, iPhone comes in, everyone is. Then how is the church supposed to know their ultimate husband? How is the church supposed to know? Even in the home, how is the wife, how are the children supposed to know this is not about dad? I'm only a steward. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? Listen to what he says. Let's go on. I'm going to run through this. I have 15 more minutes. He's called the God of the whole earth. Verse 5. I'd missed the, missed the part where he says, Redeemer. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Do you, do you, do you feel the tension between holiness and this love? Do you feel that tension? This justice? That was not put there by mistake. The Redeemer is holy. He does not condone sin. He doesn't chill with sin. I think the best illustration I can give, I usually give, I don't know if you guys have heard it here, but I usually give this when I talk about justice and love. I need some brave souls to come. Let's get me some. I'm a teacher by profession, so I'm definitely going to pull off things that pastor may never have done. <laughs> okay, so could I have some brave souls to come? Two. Uh-huh, very good, very good. Another one, another one. Very brave, very brave. Come. You're not afraid that the church will be texting about you on WhatsApp? Come. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, so what's your name? Ruth. Ruth and? Victoria. Okay. So these two grow up on the same village. These two grow up. For now you can stand, eh? These two grew up on the same village, Victoria and Ruth. They're very good friends. They're very young. They're growing. They're running around the neighborhood doing all sorts of up to mischief. Just. So then Victoria begins to pickpocket. Uh, you see? <laughs> Do not point. Do not point. I asked for brave souls. Ruth begins to let her know this is wrong. Victoria is saying, no. I managed to buy you ice cream because of what I do. And I'm going to get there before you even arrive. So Victoria eventually becomes a professional bank robber. She becomes a judge. You see the contrast? Victoria is robbing Bank of Uganda, God forbid. <laughs> and she's gunned down. She's shot only after she shoots the guards. And something happens. They bring her to court. Ruth, come. They bring her to court. And guess who is the judge? Her best friend. Please kneel before the judge. Tell me, what should the judge do? She must show love. True? But she must not also 
go against the Constitution. There must be justice. What should happen? If your knees get tired, let me know. Just stand. It's okay, you can stand. What, sh what should the judge do? Hmm? What should the judge do? Of course, the judge has to act normally. The way a judge has to act. Judge. What is it? Sentence her to death? You're not a friend. There is no love. How can you sentence to death? How? What should the judge do? Forgiveness? Ah, there is no justice. This is a corrupt judge. Forgiveness? Let the sin go? They just shot so many. What should happen? The judge needs to disclose that she was a best friend, declare that conflict of interest, and hand over to her. Banangi. <laughs> Have you heard the lawyer? God cannot abjugate from his throne. God cannot leave his throne. Because if he leaves it, then he's powerless. True? In human terms, yes. But God, he's God. He's the final guy. Yeah. Let the judge show mercy. Mercy. In what way? Giving a lenient uh, sentence. Hey, don't even say lenient, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. People have died. People have died. Friends, let me get one more on this side. Correct her ways. Can Victoria ever correct her ways? Is sentencing loving? Let me tell you what happens. This is what God does. You're right. If she's going to be just, she rules the death penalty. True? And then she stands up, stand up, puts the chair aside, step down, and she offers a hand, offer her a hand, brings her up, puts her up, not on the chair, but puts her up there, then you stay here, and then kneel. She takes the penalty. Both perfect justice and perfect love have been fulfilled. That's what God has done. Thank you. Give them a hand clap. Give them a hand clap. <laughs> the tension between God being holy, just, and being loving is solved in Christ once and for all. And that's why he says, I am your husband, I am your redeemer, and I am holy, though I'm dealing with a harlot. True? That's what gets me up every morning. That's the only reason I could stand here and open his word, because I'm not worthy. But in Christ, it's been paid once and for all. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, verse 6, grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you are refused, says your God. For a mere moment I was, a mere moment, for a mere moment I forsook them. 
And that eventually happened in Christ. What did Christ say on the cross? Why have you forsaken me? But then he says, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You know, Isaiah 54 is rich. We talk of 53. This is the application of 53. He says, for a mere moment. You, you know, <laughs> I have so many illustrations. This, this, this man gave me a passage that dealt with my heart through the week. My father was taken to hospital by my grandfather. My father had put a bean inside his ear, and it was stuck. And we're not talking about the year 2020. This is, you know, 1950. <laughs> and so, my grandfather looked at my dad's ear and said, How dare you! Let me take it to the doctor. And they, in vernacular, it's almost, they yank it out. So my father was scared. So they got to the doctor. And the doctor, his friend, and the doctor said, oh, you've brought him. Yes, I've brought him. There's something wrong with his ear. And the doctor said, yes, we're going to yank it out. My grandfather said, no, 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 don't do that to my son. The same father who had said yank it out now listens to the doctor using the same language. And he says, no, don't hurt my son. Christ, God, when he's displeased with us, He's not displeased like a man. Hmm? Usually when I'm displeased, I act human. I shut the person off. God's displeasure keeps the person in his arms. Isn't that amazing? By the way, I do, I, when I talk about parenting, I talk about unconditional parenting. I know the world twists it in some ways, but it is true. He says to them, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great masses I will gather you. Israel, you're mine. With a little wrath I hide my face from you for a moment. Just keep underlining those, for a moment, for a moment, for a moment. And then he goes on to say, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. Everlasting kindness. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. As we pronounce it as Noah. Um, I, I was told we were supposed to pronounce it in our vernacular, Noah. that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from you nor shall my covenant of peace be removed friends what is it you 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 make the list and dump it into the fire he keeps no wrong true he keeps no wrong Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not com comforted. 
Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems. He's talking about Jerusalem. He's saying, I'm going to build you up rubies, crystals, precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. Can you imagine a harlot hearing this? This is why Hosea, this is the, the very picture of Hosea. Hearing this, Asa, man, I fail God so many times. My heart is wandering, tossed to and fro. You shall be far from oppression. Now listen to verse 16. I have to skip. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coal. This is just so interesting. God sends, God sends nations. At this point, he's sending Babylon to discipline Israel. But God assures them they're going into captivity. Hezekiah rules, and then Sennacherib comes in power. They're going into captivity. But he tells them, the weapons that are being used against you, the actual steel, I formed the blacksmith, I formed the trader. So let, let, me, let, me, let me put it in our terms today. Let's assume the people of God are Ukraine. The people that make the arms, the ones that deal in the arms, South Africa in this case, God is in charge of all of them. It did not catch him by surprise. Even the guy who's blowing the coal, the guy who's adjusting the silicone chips, making them to enable nuclear warfare, God has it undercover. He's telling this to a people who are going in captivity, that have played the hallow, that would be fearful. Whatever he promised has come to pass, true? He says, it's not the end. My everlasting love is here. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is where it comes from. Unfortunately, we just jumped to this verse. Eh? Uh, we just jumped to this verse. The, the, I tell people not to be... You forgive me once again. We have very insecure believers. Very insecure. We do not know what God who God is as a maker and husband. You reach home and you're crossing the path and you see a chicken head in the name of Jesus. Just a chicken head. You start calling on the Lord and what's going to happen? What's happening? What's happening to the people of God? You know, any tiny thing, a feather across the, the path, God has the heart of that witch doctor. The blacksmiths were, there is none that he does not have in bringing about his everlasting love. Do you get that? There is none. Stop walking in fear of men and all these things. Walk in awe of the one who has called the harlot. D David Tripp writes a book, Awe. Read it. Beautiful book. And every tongue which raises against you in judgment, 
you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. Did you hear that? The righteousness is from me. Now, I can't stop there because I know there are people seated here day in, day out that have no idea of such a wellspring. You're still eating the bread of toil. You drink, but you thirst. And that, that's why Isaiah 55 follows Isaiah 54. And he starts it with, Ho! It's almost like holding his head after listening to Isaiah 54. Say, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come. If you don't know this love, if your children have never witnessed this love, you don't have it. You don't have it. If this church does not witness that love, you don't have it. He says, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, eat. Yes, come, buy wine, milk, without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not true bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Wow. This is where God found me. Foolish, religious, an altar boy to Kadno Amala. Thinking my works will bring about Christ-likeness. Thinking attending church will, being part of the choir, I, didn't, I was part of almost every mukolo there was in the school I went to. There is nothing in my heart of stone that can bring about what we just read. Everyone needs a heart of flesh. That's the new covenant. Are you going to live in Isaiah 54? within that everlasting heart, love, bow your heads, let's pray. With our heads bowed, if there be anyone that says, I know not that everlasting love, I'm wasted, my temper, my, all these things simply show that my heart is fallen. I'm thirsty. I'm leaving duplicity. I'm not where I should be. I want to drink everlasting waters and eat everlasting bread because Jesus paid for it all. He rose to give life. Bring mercy, Lord, into each one's life. And particularly for those who are doing this for the past. Thank you. For an second Christ we prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 
0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.